Welcome everybody to another episode of Night at the Podcast. This is Dave DC and coming, when I always say coming live to you, I always try, I don't know why I always want to say that when I'm not live. Uh, this is a recording. Unfortunately, this is episode 104. 105 is the Happy Thanksgiving episode. Um, I was real, I was listening to the to episode 104 um, and... It, it recorded half of it and it erased the rest. So I decided, hey, why not do another one? Um, so I, like like always, I'm going to go right into it. I'm going to go into the um, the trailers. Now, uh, what was I going to say? Hold on one second. Uh, I'm going to talk to you about my experience at the final concert that I went to. I'm going to talk about the Sandman questionnaire. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of the news and obviously see some trailers. Now, my reviews and recommendations, I couldn't locate those. Um, so I'm going to have to just give you reviews and recommendations of, you know, what was supposed to be of my next podcast. But whatever. You, you'll see. I mean, um, you, you determine what you want to watch and what you don't want to watch. Obviously, these trailers are going to be all located on uh, I mean the description box you'll be able to look at the trailers at your own time and leisure see what you want but you might want to watch at your own time uh, but yeah let's start this podcast so first movie we're going to talk about the trailer is called operation uh operation like the what, operation fortune ruse de guerre I don't know how to pronounce that but it is a Guy Ritchie film and um, it stars Jason Statham, uh, who actually is the uh, producer in Aubrey Plaza, who, uh, if you know any, her fame is from Parks and Recreation. Uh, the story reads, Special Agent Orson Fortune and his team of operatives recruit one of Hollywood's biggest movie stars to help them on an undercover mission when the sale of a deadly new weapons technology threatens to disrupt the world order this world order all right so let's check out this trailer i don't have anything queued up everybody so uh bear with me while i type in the the actual name so we can see and another thing if by any chance um you hear trailer uh, uh commercials during my trailers, I'm sorry, I don't have anything queued up. I'm actually doing this kind of half-assed because I I hate the fact that I wasn't able to get that last uh, yes. podcast. And I'm the type of person that if I haven't, if I wasn't the, if I wasn't able to do it, I'm gonna redo it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just gonna. Oh yeah, let's keep it moving, you know. Um, part of it recorded. It was like what halfway through the trailers, and then after everything just erased. But here we go, trailer. Orson Fortune. From director Guy Ritchie. As a private contractor, you possess a unique set of skills. What's that? Power not. You said it was clear. I said the front was clear. Front, back, right, wrong. Anyway, shall we? So what we got? Miramax. Something nasty, so we have to stop that getting onto the open market. Who's the buyer? 
Greg Simmons. It's a billionaire arms dealer. Ooh, a lot of very serious faces up here, aren't there? You can't catch this fish with conventional lures. I'm sorry? The lure being? Danny Francesco. <laughs> the movie star. Greg Simmons' favourite movie star. And how do we get him? Blackmail. Who's to get? Very good. Carry on. The world needs you for your greatest role yet. Who are you? I'm your new manager. A I forgot Josh Hartnett's also in here. Josh Hartnett and Carrie Ills. Let's go to work. Will someone pinch me, please? Is that Danny French? Oh, Hugh Grant. Next to you. I'm playing a mysterious self-made villain. You just described me. Shadow me. Do whatever I do. Whatever I do, do. Whatever Greg's buying from was amongst you last night. Dear friends. I can get inside the Ukrainians. Sexually. Hobby Plaza is so pretty. Operation, what the heck? I forgot the name of it. Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. Now, Guy Ritchie is the type of director he, he likes to get like an ensemble cast, and he produces some of the most great work. You might recognize him with like movies such as Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. Um, he's done Rock and Roller, and this is just some of his, like, original work. He also did Sherlock Holmes 1 and 2, and he's done movies like that. So, uh, I feel like sometimes, like, he kind of sold out because, obviously, um, his original work was so good, and now he's, like, doing all this, like, stuff that, that, that just the big studio execs want and he's not doing his original stuff which i used to love a lot you know but yeah he this movie i don't i don't remember it's i don't remember seeing the trailer in the theater or anything like that or seeing the movie come out in the theater so i I, i'm assuming this came out straight to dvd or video or something like that but yeah the next trailer we're going to look at is called The Commando. Not to be not to be confused with uh, The Commando from uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is called The Commando. This movie came out, I believe it was this year, 2022. Uh, the trailer came out about 11 months ago. The trailer reads, I mean the, the synopsis reads, The DEA agent returns home 
with PTSD after a botched mission and must now protect his family from a home invasion when a recently freed convict and his henchmen come after their stash of millions hidden inside the agent's home. Now, this stars Michael Jai White. If you know anything about Michael Jai White, he was in the movie Spawn, and he's been in uh, Universal Soldier, The Return, and he's well-known martial artist. Uh, he was also in Why Did I Why Did I Get Married with uh, Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married 1 and 2. Uh, he, uh, Mickey Works also in this movie. Last time I saw Mickey Work was in the Expendables movies. And I think that's pretty much it. But let's check out this trailer. It looks like it kicks a lot of butt. A lot of butt. James Baker, yeah? DEA, military. <laughs> you gotta tell you, I'm very impressed. Hey! It's nice to have you. So what's better now? Sitting in my room. You found all of that money? We have to tell mom and dad. You don't know who this money belongs to. Mickey Rourke. Who's getting out today? Oh, Jesus. Mickey Rourke looks so fake. We got some business to take care of. Jeez. Where is it? All that plastic surgery has screwed him up. So Mickey Rourke has kidnapped Michael Jai Michael Michael Jai White's daughters. Only one will survive. Michael Jai White and Mickey Rourke. You gotta go. The Commando. Uh, that's done by Premier Entertainment, um, and honestly, that that didn't. I mean, Michael J. White is also getting up there in age, so I'm not saying that he's 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 horrible. I'm pretty sure he still does, you know, still moves as good as he has as he always has. But um, I don't know. I just I, I I think that that movie is probably gonna suck. I'll definitely check it out, but. Next trailer we're going to look at is a horror movie uh, called Death Valley. doesn't look like anybody famous is in this movie. But the synopsis reads, Mercenaries with nothing to lose are hired to rescue a bioengineer imprisoned in a Cold War bunker. Upon entering the ominous facility, they find themselves in a fight for their lives when they come under attack from an unknown and deadly creature. Uh, So this trailer was released a year ago. Uh, The movie came out 2021, I believe, or sometime earlier this year. I know the trailer came out back then. So let's look at this trailer. A Shutter original, so this is a Shutter movie. Looks like they found something in the ice. Okay. They're coming. 
The longer we stay here, the more dangerous it is for you. The mission has gone to hell. Death Valley. Streaming now on Shutter. If you guys hear my dog running around or nagging or whatever, Wally, he's here and he's, uh, you know, he's, he gets bored. Stop it. Stop it. Um, but yeah, that movie looks kind of cheesy. It looks like, uh, 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 what's it called? One of those, uh, zombies or monsters from Resident Evil. All right, next trailer we're going to look at is called... The Lost City. Excuse me. Excuse me. Why am I getting hiccups right now? The Lost City. Stars Channing Tatum. Uh, Sandra Bullock. And for a brief moment, you see... Wally! For a brief moment, you see Brad Pitt. And also Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, the story, the um, synopsis reads: A reclusive romance novelist on a book tour with her cover model gets swept up in a kidnapping attempt that lands them both in a cutthroat jungle adventure. Trailer released about eleven months ago. The Lost City. Me straight to the lost city. Now, prepare to die. There were just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up. What? Why aren't they biting that guy? This is ridiculous. Delete. 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 Mm-hmm. Paramount Pictures. Not a real adventure. We need you to promote your new book of the lost city. You can't spend your life in the back suffering Chardonnay with eyes. Ladies. And gentlemen, the world's sexiest cover model. Dash, Dash. Dash. You do know you're not a real hero. Dash is a character I made up. Dash. Oh my god. Oh crap. But things. I enjoyed your book about the lost city, and I believe you're the one who can help me find its treasure. Just got real. I have to respectfully decline. I'm afraid I must insist. This spring, which already happened. I'm gonna rescue her. I just wanted her to think of me as more than a cover model. Alan, what are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR, certified CrossFit. I have snacks. Pam, I'm just presents. Bullock. I could actually find the lost city. Tatum. Don't use for this island. My friend and her couple models are going to die. I am driving. Oh, 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 oh
The Lost City. So this movie came out in March. Obviously, it made what it needed to do. Obvious, uh, honestly, to tell you the truth, I don't know. If, I don't know if I have to check the numbers for this movie. Um, I don't know if it made a lot of money, being that um, it, it, you know, a lot of people aren't going to the movie theaters as much now because of the fact that you know we just got over a pandemic. So movies like this aren't really making all the money that you know people. Uh, um, are looking for, you know, or or see seeking, you know, because of the fact that unfortunately people are more aware of wasting their time, you know. Uh, but still, some people still go out. I, I was gonna go see it, but unfortunately, I'm one of those people that I just don't want to go to the movie theaters unless it's worth my time. But uh, in this movie, Channing Tatum portrays. A per, pretty much a dim-witted, uh, a dim-witted, hold on, a dim-witted, uh, uh, hero, kind of, he's like a model, and unfortunately, he is sent to rescue, uh, Sandra Bullock's character, and he goes from a dim-wit to a hero, because he starts to, um, learn, what he needs to do because he starts to actually gain affection until finally he starts to like or fall in love with the Sandra Bullock character. So it's actually one of those finding your courage type of stories. You know, he starts off just being a regular person and then finally he finds his courage and he's able to save the, the, the damsel in distress as per se. Alrighty, next trailer we're going to look at is called The King's Daughter, King Louis, the, I don't know, it's his XYV's quest for immortality leads him to capture and steal a mermaid's life force, a move that is further complicated by his illegitimate daughter's discovery of the creature. So this stars uh, Pierce Brosnan. Kaya Scodelario, who is uh, who was in the film uh, The Maze Runner, William Hurt, who passed away sadly not too long ago, and anybody else that I know here, I don't think anybody else that's well known. But yeah, let's check out this trailer. The trailer came out about eleven months ago. I believe it was a theatrical film, maybe somewhere, but I didn't see it anywhere. daughter A lot of people in this. Creature in the water. You should not be swimming in there. She called me. She's certainly not in this world. Nor am I. Two kindred spirits. 
force into our hands. This is murder. She is your pet. She's all but human. One inseparable destiny. The only one who can stop him. Do you believe in coincidence? The King's Daughter. So that looks pretty interesting. It came out in theaters January. It looks interesting because she's trying to like defend this uh, mermaid. Um, that I guess they want for some odd reason. All right, so um, next trailer we're gonna look at is something that I thought was gonna be an actual like big thing, but it's only, it was only like a a two night event. It was a uh, Star Wars Galactic Cruise Galactic Cruiser. Hold on, I'll read to you right now what the the, the thing is about it. So it was like a huge fail because uh, it was supposed to be like this immersive thing where you go in and you get to feel like you're part of like Star Wars and all that stuff. But Star Wars Galactic Cruiser is a Star Wars themed two-night live action role-playing. Choose your own adventure experience board aboard a simulated cruise in outer space within the Star Wars galaxy. Within... With an opening date of March 1st, 2022, Star Cruiser guests begin their experience at the terminal located adjacent of Disney Hollywood Studios in the in the Epcot Resort area of the Walt Disney World Resort in Bay Lake, Florida. The hotel accompanies the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge-themed area in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, let me, I want to know what, what, okay, so the history is, uh, no, I want to hear the reception, why it was, why it was such a fail. Critical reception of the Galactic Star Cruiser focused on the value it provided for its very high prices. Early photos of the Halcyon's small windowless cabins went viral before the experience opened to the public with many commentators on Twitter complaining that they were not suitable luxury accommodations. CNBC reported that the price about 1200 per person per day was steep but that the experience was worth the cost as long as guests were willing to actively engage with many of the activities on board with very little downtime. Polygon regarded Galactic Star Cruiser as a form of participatory entertainment, requiring guests to put in a significant amount of effort to see and do everything they want during their brief stay without spending much time in their cabin other than to sleep. If you love Star Wars and want to commit to this experience in full by wearing costumes and interacting with characters and living your best Star Wars life, you'll enjoy yourself, wrote a reviewer of for, for Nerdists. <clears throat> so description means... Uh, the Star Wars Hotel was originally scheduled to open in 2021, according to the Orlando Sentinel, but opened in March 1st, 2022, due to delays from COVID, the COVID pandemic. 
Early renderings of the project showed that the new hotel would be shaped like a Star Wars starship. The rooms contained full-size bunk beds, a queen-size bed in some rooms, a, full, a pull-down to sleep at fifth guest, a fifth guest in the style of Star Wars bunkers, with each room fitting four to five people. Renderings also showed a lobby in the style of Star Wars spaceship interior. On May 30th, 2018, it was announced that the hotel would be located just south of Disney's Hollywood Studios to the east of World Drive. That July, it was revealed that the hotel's direct entrance to Disney's Hollywood Studios would be located between the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and Star Wars Rise of the Resistance attractions in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Valet parking is available for guests arriving in personal vehicles, but no self-parking options are offered. A driveway connects to the Star Cruiser's main terminal to the parking lot of Disney's Hollywood Studios. Bob Chapek, chairman of Walt Disney's Park and Resorts, stated that the Star Wars Hotel would be Disney's most experiential concept ever when it opens. Chapek described the hotel as a 100% immersive experience that will culminate in a unique journey for every person who visits. Some examples of the planned features included creatures and droids acting as certain hotel staff, such as butlers, guests wearing Star Wars costumes, and an ability to interact with features of the hotel as if visitors were really in the Star Wars universe. Visitors would 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 also be able to have lightsaber training and duels and extension of Jedi training at Academy in Disney's Hollywood Studios. Explore and pilot, explore and pilot Star Wars spacecraft and go on secret missions personalized toward the visitors experience. One writer of The Verge called the planned hotel a, a Westworld of, for Star Wars fans, noting the different hotel amenities that would allow the immersive hotel experience to occur. Mike compared the planned hotel to Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge and Universal's Orlando's Cabana Bay Beach Resort, both of which are existing hotels containing immersive experiences, though the lesser extent. Guests at the hotel travel directly to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge by a shuttle pod transportation system. This system is made so that the interior resembles a shuttle spacecraft that ferries guests between the hotel and the land while maintaining the illusion of traveling from space to planet surface and back. The outside of this transport, unseen by the Star Cruiser guests, resembles a standard box truck. So that was going to be what we were supposed to be looking for, but unfortunately, the money was too expensive. So let's look at the trailer here. Experience Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Walt Disney World. This came out about five months ago, the trailer. So it's pretty much just setting it's a bunch of people going inside the spaceship and experience Star Wars. Ready? 
Texas people going to cabanas. It looks like it would have been awesome. Star Wars training, I mean, lightsaber training. Galactus Star Cruiser is complete failure for Disney. Let's let's look at this thing here. I want to see what happened. Why is it such a failure? It seems like nearly everything has gone wrong for Disney over the past year. A year that's been one of the worst for them in the past several decades of this company. Of course, we know that Bob Iger is now back as CEO, replacing Bob Chapek. Of course, not like anything's going to change from an ideological standpoint there. But when you look across Disney, it's been more than just one or two box office bombs. It's more than just some disappointing Disney Plus revenue numbers. It is everything. When you look at the parks, when you look at Star Wars, when you look at Marvel. They're struggling in so many places right now, but undoubtedly one of the biggest crossovers that we have there between the horrible woke Star Wars that they've been making and the mistakes they've made at the parks, you have to point to the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel, and it has been so bad that now they're offering discounts to people. They are so desperate to fill this thing up because, let's just be frank, people are not going to the Galactic Star Cruiser. It's not filling up right now. They are losing money trying to keep this thing running. So much so that now they're finally admitting defeat and offering discounts. Disney discounts Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser following stagnant bookings. We all remember the Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel when it was advertised, hey, it's, it's going to be every Star Wars fan's dream. Yeah, every Star Wars fan's dream is to be stuck somewhere between Episode 8 and Episode 9, between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker. That's the era that they want to participate in. Give me a break. And then when we started seeing the lightsaber training, the cringe singing, all the advertisements for this, all it made people do was cancel their reservations because they knew this wasn't worth $5,000, $6,000 to go for this crap. And now it looks like Disney admits that it's not worth that either. And when you do look, there's a reason. And when you look at the Star Cruiser website, there's a reason they're offering these discounts. Look at this. Wide open. Uh, now, of course, the, the week that kids are off for, for Christmas, that seems like it is all booked up at the Star Cruiser. Probably has been booked for quite some time. But look at all this. Look at all this space in early December. 
all of January, all of February, I assume all of March as well, all of April. Yes, everything is clear. This is why they're offering these discounts. And we were just talking a couple weeks or a month ago about this. Some Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Voyages only at 25% occupancy. Disney cutting cast member hours and second dinner seatings on select voyages. It certainly just seems to go from bad to worse for Disney, but let's look into the details surrounding this. Well, it's official. Disney has finally rolled out the first discounts for its Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser experience. Perhaps one of the biggest additions to the Walt Disney World Resort came in the form of flashy and incredibly ambitious. Ambitious. Well, it was ambitious to imagine that people were actually going to pay for this garbage. They did everything they could. They rolled out of these influencers who have absolutely no credibility, absolutely no integrity, that lied to their audience and said, yeah, it's definitely worth spending five or six grand on it, even though I got to go for free and lied to you about my experience. And, you know, some people were tricked by that. Pretty disgusting thing for Disney and for those specific bloggers to do. But, hey, that's what some people are going to do. They don't care about their integrity. They just care about getting free access to things from Disney. <laughs> While many exciting things are happening across the resort, like the upcoming Tron roller coaster, brand new Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind coaster, none really compared to what Disney's trying to do with its Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Effective immediately. Disney Vacation Club members are now eligible for a 30% discount off original points value charts on select two-night Star Cruiser voyages. Right now, it's fairly easy to snag a reservation. We just looked at that. It's completely and totally wide open unless you want to go on Christmas. That's really the only thing you can't go to right now. The decision to discount this experience follows the less-than-stellar bookings recently. One of the major issues of this immersive Star Wars experience comes with the price. The cheapest option is $5,000 for two occupants in a single stateroom. The price for four jumps to 6,000 for the same amount of time, meaning you'll need a lot of galactic credits or you need to know a bounty hunter or two to afford to stay in this luxury starship. Yes, the luxury starship that looks like a prison. There was a meme because the prison in Andor reminded people of the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser Hotel. It just looked like generic sci-fi. Nothing screams Star Wars about this, but of course that's Disney Star Wars. Nothing screams Star Wars about Disney Star Wars because of course it's not George Lucas's Star Wars and it never will be. They made sure of that. They could have made this into something incredible that was geared towards all Star Wars fans, but they didn't. They decided that they were going to make it right in the sequel trilogy. They're going to put a bunch of stuff in that nobody has any interest in. They're going to make it as cringe as possible. And what's that led to? That's led to completely open booking. That's led to 25% full voyages. That's led to them having to discount this at 30% just to beg people desperately to go. Another failure for Star Wars and another failure for Disney. Let me know your thoughts about all this in the comments section below. Smash a like button, subscribe to the channel, ring the bell for notifications, share this video out there, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks for That's crazy. Um, it's, it's just crazy to think that that they I, honestly I didn't I thought it was it was probably like a good idea. But if they put it in between that those sequels, the worst ones in in the series, like I personally don't compare I don't say those movies are <clears throat> part of the of the George Lucas uh, uh, continuation George Lucas had his six um, these are possible in, a, uh, in another universe I try to convince myself that it's another universe but whatever uh, moving on next trailer we're going to look at is the unbearable weight of massive talent um, with uh, 
with Pedro Pascal and Nicolas Cage. It reads, in this action-packed comedy, Nicolas Cage plays Nick Cage himself, challenging, channeling his iconic characters as he's caught between a superfan, Pedro Pascal, and a CIA agent, Tiffany Haddish. Let's look at this trailer. It's a Red Band trailer, people. What's the worry here, Nick? You've lost some of your talent as an actor? No. <laughs> what did he say? He says he loves you, but he went in a different direction. I'm done. I'm quitting acting. Self-betrayed. It was a tremendous honor to be a part of storytelling and myth-making. Another offer. It's a million bucks. It's to attend a right, It sounds like him. He, uh, from what I understand, he threw his money away buying crap that he didn't really need. And that's why he almost went bankrupt. So this movie came out in spring. Which already came out. And I mean, like I was saying, he kept doing a lot of like low budget movies. And it sounds like he's getting himself back up there with this movie. It was a great movie. So he might get himself back up there. I mean, right now he's doing a couple. This was the first theatrical film that I've seen that he's done in a long time. And he looks like he's doing a couple other ones. A Hollywood legend. I see myself doing more of this stuff. I think I might have a real good for it. Good, because we got another mission for you. No, 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 no. Well, become a real friend. Don't lie to me. Are those my golden guns? They're my golden guns. I don't want to kill you. You're the last person I want to kill. I love you. I love you. Nicholas Cage, Pedro Pascal, Neil Patrick Harris, and Tiffany Haddish. The unbearable weight of massive talent. April 22nd, 2022. So it already came out, everybody. So I'm pretty sure if you guys want to watch it, it's out there somewhere on one of the streaming sites for you to watch. So next trailer we're going to look at is obviously a show that already concluded its first season um, on HBO Max. It's called House of Dragon, which is the prequel series to uh, Game of Thrones. So it reads, an internal succession war within House Targaryen at the height of its power, 172 years before its birth, before the birth of Daenerys Targaryen. So let's check out this second trailer.
an HBO original series. On August 21st, your family has dragons. Their power men should never have trifled with. If Rhaenyra comes into power, she can cut off any challenge to her succession. I am to inherit the Iron Throne. She will block my way. Thrones House of Dragon. So this show completed its uh, first season. And as a matter of fact, I've been so like uh, tied to this show. I love it. I love Game of Thrones. I've been listening to the podcast. I know that you guys, if you have watched the show, you know that at the beginning of the show, they say that if you want to listen to the podcast, there is a podcast out there. Um, I just completed uh, the latest episode that came out today. And they were talking about the, the, you know, how they did the prop sets and the makeup and the air. But yeah, um, they do talk uh, about the episodes as they go in. Very, very entertaining um, show, uh, podcast. So definitely you can check it out. You just look it up online. Obviously, like everything else, you find it all online. Um, the last trailer we're going to look at is Shazam Fury of the Gods. It reads, the film continues the story of teenage Billy Batson, who upon reciting the magic word Shazam! It transformed it, it, it is transformed into his adult superhero alter ego. Just finished watching uh, Black Adam not too long ago, like uh, what a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and this is the next movie to come out. So, yeah, let's check out this trailer. <clears throat> I'm an idiot. I don't deserve these powers, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I even contributing? There's already a superhero with a red suit with a lightning bolt on it. Flash. Aquaman is literally huge. Aquaman. So manly. Batman is so cool. Batman. Just me. Uh, 
I feel like a fraud. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, a wizard gave me superpowers. Well, then everybody got superpowers. Where's everyone going? To fight crime. Okay. Now everyone's kind of like doing their own thing, and I'm the only one trying to keep it together. You understand I'm a pediatrician, right? Come on! The fate of the world depends on it. The daughters of Atlas will come before you. Children stole the power of all the gods. This is very personal, Billy. Look, I might not have as much experience as you because I'm not super old like you, but I've seen all of the Fast and the Furious movies, lady. That's pretty funny because uh, Billy Batson is talking to Helen Mirren, who plays, I forgot what her name is, but Helen Mirren was in uh, Fast and the Furious, and he says... It's all I've seen all the Fast and the Furious movies, and it's about family. And he's talking to somebody who was in the Fast and the Furious movies. I don't know how we fight cars like this. I think I know how to fix this dude, but I really don't. Everyone can be worthy. Give it a chance. Now go fight for your family. Go fight for the world. I just threw a truck at a dragon. I love my life. I'll tell you right now that music really drives a trailer because just, I mean, I've never really heard uh, um, of Eminem in a trailer or in music, you know, but that was pretty dope. All right, everybody, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to go pay some bills and I'll be right back with uh, ex- my experience at, th- at this last concert that I went to, Shazam Questionnaire, not Shazam, Sandman Questionnaire and some news. I'll be right back. And I'm back. Alrighty, so everybody, we're going to go right into it. Uh, so... I want to talk about my experience at Amor en Vivo 93.1, the concert over here in Production Center, which was, uh, I want to say like about a month ago or so, or maybe a little more than that. Um, so it was featuring Ricky Martin, Silvestre Dangond, Rake, Camila, Becky G, Manuel Turizo, Gail and Fonseca. So I don't know anybody in here except for Ricky Martin and Becky G. And the only reason why I know Becky G is because of the fact that she was in the Power Ranger movie. She played Trini. Um, Ricky Martin was pretty much the only one that I was kind of excited to go see because, I mean, I've seen this guy all my life on TV, especially during the uh, my high school era. And I was like, you know what? Let me go see this dude. But whatever. It wasn't me who bought these tickets because honestly, I don't look, I don't listen to this type of music. This is not my type of music at all. Um, it was my friend who wanted to take me. So she purchased these tickets without letting me know and decided to drag me to it. Even though I told her, take your friends, take one of your friends. You'll enjoy it a little better. She didn't want to. She wanted me to go. So I was like, all right, whatever. I'll go. Um, she decided that she was going to bring 
a bag of drinks or whatever the case gave me uh, uh, one of the Corona beers or whatever the case. And um, obviously I drank a little bit of the Corona. I got a little wired, but I did not get drunk. I just got a little buzzed. Um, she, on the other hand, she decided to drink heavy. She had a bunch of drinks over here. And then she, when we got to the, like, you already can tell she was already like, um, um, buzzed as heck. I'm not going to get into too much specifics on what happened that day. Let's just say it was a really, really bad experience. Whatever. She called an Uber. Um, because she didn't want to drive because she already knew that she was going to get trashed. Um, we got on the Uber and the Uber took us. We started drive, we, we started heading to Newark uh, Penn Station. Um, I was a little buzzed, whatever. And she's talking, 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 talking to this lady. Obviously, she's, you know, heated up because of all the drinks that she's been drinking. We get to the Prudential and she gets out of the car. We both get out of the car and then she realizes that she left her bag inside the car. Thank God the car was trapped at the red light we were able to pick up her bag with no problem because otherwise we would have been screwed for her to come for that lady to come back whatever we uh start heading into the place getting in the line she's over here like oh my god i'm starting to sober up i'm like what are you talking about you just had like literally three shots of some vodka crap i don't know some bigger it wasn't even shots it was like gulps Whatever. She's like, oh, no. I was like, here, take my can. So she starts drinking my can or whatever the case. Um, that's when we start going up to Prudential Center, like the stairs. And I'm feeling like wired. I'm, I'm telling her, okay, I'm feeling wired right now. She's laughing. She's trying to rush to get inside the, 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 the you know, the Coliseum or the auditorium or whatever the case it is, the arena. And then for a quick second, I lose her and I find her at a freaking vendor buying drinks. And I'm over here like, yo, don't buy me anything. Like, I'm not trying to get messed up. She already had bought me a, a drink. We start heading to our seats. Um, obviously, we make it there a little tired, a little late because the first uh, uh, person is already up. I guess her name was Gail or whatever the case. And, you know, we're jamming to the music. Me and her are like dancing or whatever, you know, but we're not going in deep. Everybody, but you can tell that this place was like filled of, of older people because the music was bopping, but they were all just sitting down. So um, I was like, all right, whatever. Um, but then the, the, the concert started and, you know, everybody's going crazy. She's going wild next to me, whatever the case. She's getting mad excited. But she starts to do obscene things that I didn't like. So we just got into this argument and obviously I left. I just couldn't feel it. And um, um, that, I'm not going to get into specifics on what happened, but the band started to come out and none of these music was, I wasn't into anything. There was none of the Gale, all this music. You have to be Spanish and you have to be into this type of music in order to enjoy it. It wasn't until halfway through, like I was really pissed off and I ended up leaving upstairs to the, um, to like the seat over there or whatever. Um, and I heard Ricky Martin. I came out, I'm freaking jamming, you know, um, he's singing his songs. Do you really want it? Yeah, do you really want it? Um, and, and, and I like I was I was enjoying that. It wasn't until he sang his song "Vente Paca" with uh, Maluma, and that song was dope. But after that, I just I was pissed off at what my friend was doing, um, and I was just bored because I wasn't feeling any of the other type of music. 
So obviously, um, I was uh, upstairs in the lobby. I ended up going to buy some food because I was starving and I was starting to get a headache because of the beer that I drank. Um, and then she got into this. Like we, we kept getting into an argument. She ended up leaving me halfway through. We got into this whole spat. And that was my whole experience at the Prudential Center of Mora and Beagle. I hated the concert because I didn't like any of the con- the mus- musicians. Um, and then on top of that, she got too drunk and everything just fell apart. At that point, I told her that I didn't want to. Um, um, I didn't want to go to any more concerts unless she checks them checks them by me, and I approve because obviously, like honestly, when we went to go see Bad Bunny. I went for the experience. Everybody kept telling me this man knows how to throw a concert. Honestly, I don't give a damn about Bad Bunny. I went. Um, I might have known like three songs. And the rest of the time, I just wanted to go home. When we went to go see Shinedown, I was actually a little more into that one because of the fact that that, that was more type my type of music. When we went to go see Birthday Massacre, that was my concert. So obviously I enjoyed myself a hell of a lot more than she did. I mean, she said she enjoyed herself a lot, but I freaking, I didn't care if she didn't, if she enjoyed herself or not. I had a great time. Um, And now this concert, it was Spanish music that I just didn't really care for. I actually found out that on the same day, Miriam Hernandez was playing over here um, at, at, at one of the... One of the, at the Ritz by where I live, and I actually wanted to hear her better because I kept singing this one stupid song that she sang. But um, whatever, it it didn't happen. And um, obviously, I told her if she wants to go to concerts to take her friends um, and not to invite me as much anymore. Because the thing is, I'm not into music as it was as as is. You know, back in the day, I I was very very into music. If it's not like like. Tiesto or stuff like that. I'm not really into it. But yeah, that was my experience at Amor en Vivo 93.1 at Prudential Center. Sucked. Uh, let's get into the Sandman questionnaire. If you guys know anything about the Sandman, um, this is a DC property and it was recently released on Netflix, a TV show with, with Tom Sturridge, which I saw at Comic-Con. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go up to him and talk to him because I didn't have no money. I was broke. But I'm going to do my questionnaires uh, just to let you guys know. There's going to be a bunch of spoilers here. You got five seconds to run, go watch the show, and then come back. One, two, three, four, five. Fair warning. Now, this show might not be for everybody because obviously, you know, this deals with a lot of like uh, demonic and hell uh, references. Uh, So a lot of Christians might not want to see this show. But uh, if you're open to it, it's on Netflix so question number one, what, what is Alex Burgess punishment? So first of all, let's find out who Alex Burgess is. Alex Burgess is the son of Roderick Burgess, the man who had the temerity to plot to imprison death, but captured dream instead. So they were trying to bring death and capture him. But unfortunately, they ended up getting dream, one of his death siblings, and they imprison him for millennium so his outcome after the uh, in the show uh uh like when dream escaped 
the outcome was after Dream finally manages to escape his prison, he emerges his basement. He doesn't leave without paying the sleeping Alex a visit. He gives Alex the gift of eternal sleep. A scene then shows Alex unable to wake up despite Paul trying his hardest to shake him. This is slightly different from the Sandman comics. Although the thought is generally the same, Dream grants Alex the nightmare everlasting or eternal waking, which is followed by some terrifying panels showing how he wakes up again and again to different nightmare scenarios, presumably for the rest of his life. Alrighty, question number two, who are the three? So obviously I'm going to go into like who the three are in the comics or who are these characters that I'm talking about in the comics and then I'll give you like the answers of the of the Netflix show, whatever the case. So who are the three? Who are they? The three or the kindly ones, as they prefer to be called, are a trio of goddesses consisting of the maiden, the mother and the crone. Originally featured as hosts in DC's line of anthology horror comics in Sandman, they are connected to the triple goddess archetype, a tripartite deity that can take many different forms. The names, the three constituent, constituent parts use may change but they are always connected and are always the same entity. So on Netflix, it describes them when Dream needs answers about his tools, whereabouts, he musters up any any strength he has left to summon the three in one. Despite Lucian's hesitation, Morpheus reminds her that the fates see past, present, and future, and they know all, with the main problem being that they speak in riddles. So that's who the three are. <laughs> Question number three. Will Dream create Corinthian? So who is the Corinthian? The Corinthian is a fictional character in Neil Gaiman's series The Sandman. He was first seen in The Sandman number 10, October 1989, which is part of the Dollhouses. The Corinthian is a nightmare created by Dream, who eventually destroys him for going rogue and for falling to fulfill for failing to fulfill his original design, which was, in his words, to be a black mirror made to reflect the darkness that humanity could not conf- confront in itself. Dream later recreates him with the same changes, though the exact nature of these changes is not explicit. So, in 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 Netflix, in the Netflix show, um, it reads. This is why it's exciting to to hear Dream explain to Lucian towards the end of the show that the world doesn't need a new Corinthian just yet. Comic readers will immediately recognize this line as a reference to a storyline that happens towards the end of the Dream's arc. The Lord of Dreams does eventually remake the Corinthian, who will look exactly the same as the one that he unmade, but will act entirely different. Question number four. Who is Azazel? Azazel is a demon appearing in Preludes and Nocturnes and Season of Mists. Azazel is one of Lucifer Morningstar's co-rulers of hell part of the tri- triumvirate 
informed by Belzebub, Lucifer, and Azazel after a civil war in hell destabilized the realm. So, in Netflix, it reads, The cliffhanger of the first season introduces an entirely new character named Azazel, who's the representative of the assembled lords of hell. He demands that Lucifer take action to invade the dreaming, the waking world, and even the Silver City. So obviously, I read the beginning of this, which was part of the comic book, and then what Netflix talks about. Uh, Number five, what is Lucifer planning? Who is she or he? Who is Lucifer? He's the Prince of Lies, or she's the Prince of Lies, because the thing is, Lucifer is known as a male, but in this show, is portrayed by a female. Prince of Lies, the bringer of light, Lucifer the Blind. And in Netflix, it reads, By the end of the first season, the powerful villain Lucifer seems to be plotting something potentially different from what Azazel and the Lords of Hell want from her. She declares that she'll do something that she has never done before, that will make God absolutely livid and bring Morpheus to his knees. Fans of the comics already know what that something is, as it is a popular storyline that even gets its own spin-off. Lucifer is about to abandon hell and shut the doors behind her just as her counterpart does in the comics. And this is where the series Lucifer comes in with Tom Tom I believe it's Tom Welling? No, it's not Tom Welling. Tom Ellis. Um, and they have an old spin-off comic book. It's called Lucifer. So Lucifer, the TV show, the character was introduced in the comic book series, The Sandman, and later became the protagonist of a spin-off comic book series. Both series were published by DC Comics Vertigo Imprint. The television series was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer Television, DC Entertainment, and Warner Brothers Television. The series revolves around the story of Lucifer Morningstar, played by Tom Ellis, the DC Universe's version of the devil who abandons hell for Los Angeles where he runs his own nightclub named Lux and becomes a consultant to the Los Angeles Police Department LAPD. Uh, question number six, why did Desire try to trick Dream? So who is Desire? Desire is the third youngest of the Endless and the twin of Despair. To the ancient Greeks, they were known as Epithemia. I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Desire is the anthropomorphic personification of wanting, craving, lust, and attraction. They blend in effortlessly with whatever environment they find themselves in. They live in a heart of a massive flesh. They live in the heart of a massive flesh and blood statue of themselves, known as the threshold, and their sigil is their sigil is a heart of cut glass. Um, so that's what the com- what the comic book reads. Uh, in Netflix, desires, motivation for tricking and manipulating Dream into almost killing Rose may be unclear to viewers, but comics readers will know that they wanted Dream to violate divine law by spilling family blood. This is rooted in Desire's anger 
about how their older siblings, death, destiny, and dream see them as inferior. Dream is just the easiest one to annoy. Question number seven. What will happen to Lyta's baby? So, who is Lyta? Hippolyta Lyta Hall, knee Trevor, is a woman who played a crucial role in Dream's fate. Lyta Trevor was the only daughter of Wonder Woman and retired Air Force General Steve Trevor. She was raised within a unique mixture of modern American and ancient Amazonian cultures. Because of the lineage, Lyta had inherited all of her mother's powers. Eventually, she attended the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, where she was reunited with her childhood friend, Hector Hall. A romantic relationship developed and they became engaged. Lyta and Hector adopted the secret identities of Fury and Silver Scarab, respectively, which they both seen soon revealed, along with several other offspring of the JSA they, they formed Infinity Inc. and set out to prove themselves to their parents. So that was pretty crazy to find out that this character is supposed to be uh, part of the Wonder Woman um, um, world. Uh, if I mean, that's what it read. So in Netflix, Halita Hall is Rose's friend and a young widow mourning her husband. Lyta's baby, Daniel Hall, has a crucial role that only comic book fans will know. After a stressful storyline showing the baby's kidnapping and subsequent to trip to the dreaming, he actually grows up to be or rather transforms into Dream himself after the original protagonist dies. Daniel looks like a paler version of Dream in the comics and is tasked with the same duties and responsibilities that his predecessor had. Question number eight. Who is Nada? Who is she? Nada was the queen of the city where man began. According to an African myth passed down orally from generation to generation, Nada was the 16-year-old queen of the city where man began. Dream of the Endless took her immortal and as his lover, even though it was forbidden for one of his kind to do so. The myth relates that when the sun saw what they had done, it melted out a city of glass with a great fireball, seeing what their relationship had caused, but at a loss for a way to end it, not a committed suicide. So, in Netflix, it shows, while navigating the creepy landscapes of hell, a prisoner calls out to Dream, referring to him as Kayukul, and asking if he has come to finally free her. Dream later explains to Matthew that she is not, and they were once in love, but doesn't detail why she ended up in hell or how she defied him. Well, she committed suicide, so the Bible does read that if you commit hell, if you commit suicide, you're committed to hell. Question number nine: Who is the missing member of the Endless? Who are they? Who are the Endless? The Endless are anthropomorphic representations of powerful natural forces. They embody, they regard themselves as a family referring to each other as siblings, and they are known to be the children of the cosmic entities night and day. 
The endless are the anthropomorphic. Okay, I read that. Uh, Destiny is the oldest. He wears a cowl over his face. He is blind but can see. Destiny's realm is named the Garden of Forking Ways, a labyrinth that represents life's journey. Destiny's sigil is the book that he has chained to his wrists. Death appears in the form of an attractive goth girl. She is the sibling closest to Dream, and he frequently relies on her for advice and help. Death's realm is one of the least explored endless dwelling places and in fact is never actually given an official name but it has been referred to as the light at the end of the tunnel. Her sigil is the ink pendant she wears around her neck. Dream is the moody, pale, and dark-haired protagonist of the series. His 70 years of imprisonment has changed him with major effects as shown throughout the books. His eyes often glitter strangely like twin stars. His realm is the dreaming, one of the main settings of the Sandman story. His sigil is the helm that he wears into battle. Daniel Hall is the successor of, of Morpheus. He becomes the new dream lord after Morpheus gave up his existence against the kindly ones. Daniel then absorbed dreams very essence and transformed into the entity. Daniel possesses all of Morpheus' memories and the two are in fact the same being is a different point of view than Morpheus was. He is noticeably kinder and more open than Morpheus was. Destruction. Hold on everybody. Destruction is a broad-shouldered redhead Man of apparently tall height, he abandoned his realm 300 years ago. Since then, he has made very little contact with his siblings. While he was with the family, however, he was boisterous and warm-hearted. The one that effectively held the family together in the, rel- in the relative amity. His realm is the fulcrum. However, having abandoned his do- duties... As an endless, his realm was stated to be completely abandoned and sealed, with no one being able to enter into the realm as no was no one no was within to give an invitation. However, when he lived in hiding, he brought his gallery within him where he left it in the locked room of his house, which he called the family room. His sigil was a sword. Desire is the older twin of despair, with no gender appearing in no fixed form, but the one that is most desired by the onlooker, capricious and capricious and self-centered, desires vanity holds no bounds. Its realm is the threshold, and form, and from an aerial shot, it is revealed to be the form of desire itself, a statue of their body in which desire, of course, lives in the heart. Desire's sigil is a glass heart. Despair is the younger twin of desire and appears to be a squat, naked, morbidly obese woman. 
Despair, alongside her rats, dwells in the gray realm, a space filled with fog and countless free-floating mirrors, mirrors in which people are looking at themselves in despair, is looking back at them. Her sigil is a hooked ring that she wears on her finger, sometimes used to cut herself when she is in stressed mood. She is the first endless to have had an aspect killed with the second being dream. And Delirium, the youngest once known as Delight. No one knows why she changed except perhaps for herself. Her hair changes on a whim, ranging from long to shaven or both. From red to orange to multicolored, one of her hairs, her one of her eyes is blue and with flecks of silver, and the other is emerald green. Though she sometimes cannot remember which eye the silver flecks go in, she usually appears to be in her late teens, and the other endless are often protective of her delirium's realm. A place of chaotic as she is, is shown as a vast assortment of all sorts of colors, worlds, words, items, and directions. Her sigil is a swirl of colors that fades to black if she is upset, as revealed in Sandman Overture as the light. Her sigil was once a flower during the, the time she was the light. And question number 10, where are the other members of the Atlas? So far, the Netflix series has only introduced dream, death, desire, and despair. Although Destiny and Delirium have been referenced, not to mention the prodigal member, it's likely that audiences will see all of them and all of the endless siblings together, except for destruction. During the next and arguably most important dinner or meeting they have at the moment. They're all out doing their individual tasks, but they'll all converge to signal the start of the overarching narrative centered on Dream in the comics. And that has been my Sandman questionnaire. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, moving on to some news. News. Warner Brothers com- concentrates on Harry Potter DCU films. So they're concentrating on the Harry Potter um, universe and the DCU films, which is a good thing because uh, the latest Harry Potter movies haven't been doing that great. And obviously DCU needs a lot of uh, reparation. Uh, next thing, Quentin Tarantino feels to, uh, he, he pretty much said that he doesn't, he would never, uh, direct an MCU or DC movie because I guess these aren't real movies to him. But then again, um, it, he has a different type of artistic style. He likes to do movies his own way. I, I don't get it. Like Martin Scorsese, all these directors, they're kind of bashing the MCU movies because those movies are making a lot of money and it's not giving their movies a chance to make money. But then again, make a good movie and we'll watch it. What the heck? Uh, moving on, Agatha Coven of Chaos is supposed to be the longest TV series that um, uh, DC Disney Plus pops out with. I mean, okay. Black Adam on its third week wins the box office. So that was, I believe that was until Black Panther came out. So 
So it is announced that Star Wars The Acolyte is on its way. It's being shot right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. Indiana Jones series in development. So I thought they were going to do an Indiana Jones 5. Or is it going to be an Indiana Jones 5? Because I know that Harrison Ford is attached. Um, and are they going to do an Indiana Jones series uh, as well? Is he going to be part of that? I don't know. Moving on. So, obviously, we all know right now that Kevin Conroy passed. Uh, he was known for Batman. He voiced the character of Batman for the better part of his life. So, uh, it's sad to know that he's another person who went, you know, not so soon. He's been dealing with uh, with an illness for the better part of his life, too. If you saw him in... Um, Back, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. He played Batman. He played uh, Bruce Wayne, and um, he was really he was really skinny. Moving on, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever sets new box office record. I, I told you, Black Adam wasn't going to stay on top forever. James Gunn asked, "What DC movies we'd like to see?" Well, he already came out with supposedly he's going to concentrate on Batman, uh, Superman, or Aquaman. Um, he's going to pretty much concentrate on the core, you know, the Flash and, and Harley Quinn. And finally, Black Panther 2 fans want Angela Bassett to win an Oscar. And I actually thought that the same thing. When I was uh, watching the movie, I was like, oh my God, this woman has such a profound character here. She's doing a good job. All right, everybody, I'm going to take a quick uh, a quick, wait, hold on. A quick transition and I'll be back. Alrighty, so we are on uh, reviews and recommendations. Unfortunately, like I said, I couldn't find... Um, the reviews and recommendations that I said before because I erased it um, sucks but I'm just going to have to do my reviews and recommendations of the next week that I was going to put on my next podcast but whatever uh, so I, I this was I believe it was around the holiday season no it wasn't the holiday season I think it was around I don't know where exactly it was I just know that I told you guys that I watched the making of Drago and Rocky. And this was the movie. I, I saw the making of Drago and Rocky. I remember I wanted to go watch it in the theater. Because it was going to be released in the theater for like a day. It was like a limited engagement. It was like one day. But I wasn't able to get there. So unfortunately I ended up uh, having to rent it. Because the next day it was going to come out like on Voodoo and all that stuff. So I had to rent it. Um, so I watched it. It was, uh, hold on. Why can I find it here? Uh, okay. So Rocky four, Rocky versus Drago, the ultimate director's cut. So I'm going to read you the synopsis in 1985, a plucky underdog from the city of brotherly love helped ease cold war. Uh, helped ease Oh, the heck? I'm over here reading. I just okay. Cold War tensions with his gutsy triumph over a Soviet slugger and his passionate reminder that everybody can change. 
That ringside speech, of course, was a dramatic culmination of Rocky IV, one of the biggest hits of that year and critical component of Sylvester Stallone canon. There were come they there were come from behind victories, dramatic montages, and that stirring theme music, courtesy of Bill Conti. All the things that made the franchise so great. But fans of the Rocky Saga might be forgiven for wondering what got left on the cutting edge floor. Well, wonder no longer. Rocky vs. Drago, the ultimate director's cut, will deliver 40 more minutes of never-before-seen footage. The film, which Stallone directed as well as starred in, will be available for one-night-only engagement in theaters on November 11th. That was, of course, last year. MGM will team up with Fathom Events for the nationwide screenings. Now, I saw the movie. Um, obviously out of the two versions, which is like the MTV version that we all got, and then this director's cut, I say the MTV version was a thousand times better because it was MTV. The music, everything was just amazing. When I saw this movie, it was just, I don't know, the re-added, it just, it just didn't feel right because I'm so used to the original one. I guess this is another version, you know, this is... Uh, Sylvester Stallone's version. Now, Sylvester Stallone said that if he could go back in time, that he would <clears throat> reshoot certain things and add it to change the movie a little bit. Number one was not kill Apollo Creed. Because it would have been better if he would have kept Apollo Creed there. But unfortunately, that was not something that he thought. And he did. And unfortunately, he just re-edited the movie. It got re-released. And it was... It was something something different. It wasn't special, but didn't change anything. But it was good. Um, moving on. So another movie was released on Disney Plus, an old classic. I guess you could. I, I don't want to say it was a remake. I guess it was. Um, but Disney really, really, fought, you know, dropped the ball on this one. Uh, it was called Home Sweet Home Alone. Now. They bought the rights, obviously, for 20th Century Fox and all that stuff. So they got the rights to Home, Home Alone. <laughs> but why wouldn't you invest your money in doing a great movie? Like, you had to do this piece of crap movie that came out on Disney+. Plus. Um, it was so bad. It's like the bad guys weren't even bad. They were there thinking... They were trying to break into this house to get this item, this doll that they thought this kid took. And at the end, all they had to do was explain to him that this whole time they thought that he had taken a doll. And he said, no, I didn't. And they he did all these traps. And the movie was just trash. It was so bad. It reads, a married couple tries to steal back a valuable heirloom from a troublesome kid. It shouldn't even be in the same vicinity as Home Alone. But because it has the same title, I guess I'll have to have it. You know, the original film with Macaulay Culkin, it was Home Alone, then came out Home Alone 2. Obviously, they couldn't do a Home Alone 3 because he was already big. So they used, I think it was uh, Freddie Lintz who did uh, Home Alone 3. And it was kind of like a different story, but it was still similar. Obviously, <coughs> they tried to do a TV show called Home Alone, Taking Back the House. 
or I think it was called Home Alone, and this was supposed to be like a pilot of the TV show, but unfortunately, it didn't get picked up, so they just released it as a movie called Home Alone, Taking Back the House, and that was part four, and then um, uh, they came out with a Home Alone movie for, uh, I believe it was on ABC, it was called Home Alone, The Hol- Holiday Heist, which was okay, it, was, it wasn't that bad, um, and then they came out with Home Alone, Home Sweet Home Alone, which was trash. Um, we, I also watched The Village that uh, week, and it, it reads, The series of events test the beliefs of a small, isolated, countryside village. This was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, and I'm a big M. Night Shyamalan fan, even though a lot of his movies have been sucking lately. But The Village was one of the last movies that I liked, which was, it gives, it's a movie that gives you a surprise ending. You think that this movie's like in the 18th century and like a pilgrim, um, village out there that is being like uh, um, nestled in between these woods that uh, supposedly these creatures live in. Um, later on you find out when one of the kids, one of the girls has to go out to look for medicine because her, her, her husband-to-be is dying. She ends up going over this wall and finds out that she's living in present day and it's not, uh, you know, in the past. Uh, but the movie was one of my favorite of that M. Night Shyamalan did. I mean, I, I know I liked a lot of his movies, but um, after that, all his movies just started to fail for me. Uh, this was around the Christmas season. Me and my friend Maria, we were watching movies. And this is one of the movies that we watched, which was Let It Snow. It came out on Netflix. In a small town on Christmas Eve, a snowstorm brings together a group of young people. Um, it was okay. It's one of those like Riverdale type movies. A bunch of young people in the movie. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, something Merced. Uh, shoot, I forgot her name. She played Dora. Isabel Merced was in the movie. And um, the Asian guy from... I'm sorry, I sound <clears throat> kind of wrong by saying Asian. But the Asian guy from uh, Spider-Man was in it. It was funny at the same time. Quirky. It had its moments. So it's a good Christmas movie. It's based on a book. So it's on there. You can watch it. And the last thing that I completed that was... I, I honestly don't know why this was even made. It came out on, I believe it was on Amazon. It was called the I Know What You Did Last Summer series. It was the biggest crock of shit to ever be made. I'm a big fan of I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I even am a fan of I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. And although I wasn't a fan of I Always Remember What You Did Last Summer. Or I Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Which was the third one. Um, I'm still into that. You know, into that series. But then they came out with this stupid TV series. And it was just a poor excuse to talk about homosexuals and lesbians. And pull push that agenda a little more. Um, they literally... Turned this story upside down. This was you can't even say that Lois Duncan wrote this book. Um, um, and they copied off of it because this was just pure trash. Two twin sisters that one gets killed. It was such oh my god, the story just is so conniving. It lies to you, it flips you upside down. It's not even interesting to me. It was just a piece of shit. Um, but yeah. Those are all my reviews and recommendations. Obviously, I know what you did last summer. It wasn't really a recommendation. It was more of a put down. But uh, yeah, that that's it. You can follow me on all that major hashtags under 
Dave D Saint or Dave underscore D underscore Saint or David Santiago. Uh, you can follow me at PSN if you want to play some video games. I am under Ariel Dean 81. I repeat, Ariel Dean 81 as an Ariel under the C, Dean as in James Dean, and 81 as in the number that comes after 80. Uh, just like Gus J. Swirl 7 says all the time, take care, man.